Welcome to episode 60 of the Self-Care 101 podcast, helping you to overcome self-doubt and create a life by design with purpose. With your host, Pooja McClymon. Thank you so much for listening today. Lockdown has opened us up to the world of self-care and well-being more than at any other time since the wellness industry started to gain traction. At any given hour, there is a live yoga class, sound therapy, breath work, meditation, EFT, and a whole host of other offshoots from Eastern philosophy. On social media, every scroll offers us up a new way to look after ourselves, another type of class to do, another book to read, another self-care subscription box to buy. But yet our mental health is still suffering and if anything, has been exacerbated as a result of the pandemic. So, if we have so much access to so many of these great tools that will help our mental well-being, help us manage stress and anxiety, then why are we still struggling? Now the answer, my friends, is simple. These holistic therapies work, but they work as part of a system. These therapies will help with managing your symptoms, but not the root cause which is why if you've tried certain therapies you might be asking yourself why you still feel rubbish about different areas of your life or you might not be able to bounce back from adversity as well as you might think or you might not stick to the therapies that you've been doing. So in this show I want to look at what holistic therapy is, why we should do it and how you're supposed to use them. How's the best way that you can put holistic therapies into your life because they are great. I'm an advocate for them, but I think there's a key piece missing that basically states that we should be doing all of these in silos when actually we should be doing them as part of a whole management system for our health. So let's get to it. So what is holistic therapy and why should we do it? Well, holistic therapy, the foundation of holistic therapies is healing. And holistic therapies, we're talking about things like meditation, EFT, maybe some acupuncture, perhaps Reiki, crystal healing, sound therapy, breath work, yoga in the Western sense. They're all holistic therapies. Basically, anything that isn't in a pill box is a holistic therapy, right? So something that isn't Western medicine. Now with holistic therapies, their foundation tends to be focused on healing, which is obviously superb. We want to heal from our traumas. We want to heal from our pain. We want to heal from our stresses. Now you can blindly heal or you can consciously heal. And this is what I want to talk about today. So Blindly healing is basically to just enjoy the therapies as a form of relaxation. So I'm not saying you're blindly healing in an ignorant way. It's just that you are using these therapies as a form of relaxation. And where it's blind is that you think it's going to help you with your healing, but there's actually more work to be done, which you don't necessarily realize. But I would also challenge you to sit with yourself for five minutes alone rather than in a controlled environment, like going to a class. If you were to practice sitting on with yourself for five minutes, you know, what would happen? Even if you did that before you embarked on, say, a meditation class, what you're doing there is you're bringing awareness to yourself. You're understanding more about yourself. You are hearing 
the thoughts that might come up for you when you sit there. Even if the thought for five minutes is literally, I don't know if I can do this for five minutes. I don't know if I can do this for five minutes. You know, after five minutes, if you've done it, then something's, you know, you can do this. Now, when you do something like that, you can consciously understand yourself better. And if you understand yourself better, when you then take on a meditation class or a breathwork class or something else, you are more easily able to be aware of yourself and your feelings. And then these holistic therapies will work on a deeper, more profound healing for you. Now, I appreciate that classes make it easier to attain relaxation. I do. I think that even myself, I will go to a deep relaxation class. I might download something. I might listen to a sound bath on YouTube and relax if that's what I need to do. But remember, I'm a seasoned, I guess, um, healing <laughs> professional in terms of I've, I've done a lot of work, still doing lots of work. And so I know what works for me and how to do it. So it's very easy for me to get myself into a relaxed state and know which therapy is what I need at any given moment, which is essentially what we should all attain and work towards. And holistic therapies are wonderful for managing stress and anxiety. They are great for prioritizing yourself. It nourishes your whole self. Whichever therapy you take, is going to have that healing effect on you. But after the class, what do you do? How do you continue to nourish yourself? And I guess this is where I want to explore a little, little further for you in this show, is that we tend to go to classes, even the gym, let's even use the gym as an example, a fitness thing, you know, that's much more common, that's been around for a lot longer. We'll go to the gym, we might drive to the gym, we'll then go to the gym, work out for an hour or so, and then drive back or whatever it is, you know, however we use transport back home or to work, whatever. And then we think that well, because I've worked out at the gym, I can afford to eat X or drink X or whatever, right? We give ourselves treat calories and things like that. And when we're doing that, we are, I guess, we're not, we're not undoing the work that we've done, but we're not continuing to nourish ourselves. And that doesn't mean that you need to only eat healthy food because you've gone to the gym. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you went and did an activity, a conscious, concerted effort activity, which was going to the gym. You put your time into it, you put effort into it, you feel good after it. How do you continue to nourish yourself? Do you get home and live in a messy house? Do you watch Netflix for the rest of the evening? Do you feel stressed at work? What are you doing to continue to nourish yourself? Because you can go to these classes and essentially they act as plasters rather than anything deeper. So after the class, you might feel great, but how long does that last? How long does the effect of a class last for you, a relaxation class? Now, when you're consciously working on your mind, these therapies, they help to seal in the work that you're doing by adding more calm. And that leads you to having more confidence and control over your thoughts and how you direct them in your everyday life. So when you are 
feeling stressed or anxious and you know that you procrastinate a lot or you overthink or you feel like a victim in certain situations or you're struggling at work, whatever is stressing you out, right? If you're consciously working on your mind, taking up these therapies, they're going to seal in the work that you're doing. But if you don't consciously work on your mind, you really are just going for an hour's relaxation, which is, don't get me wrong, great, add it into your life, absolutely. But it's not going to heal you, in essence. You still need to do the work on your mind. And when you do it this way, your life is going to feel richer, you're going to feel more fulfilled, and you're going to be more optimistic. And all of those feelings, do you know what that leads to? Better management of your mental well-being. So then when stress does occur, because we do live in a world where stress is very, very common, of course, and right now, of course, anxiety levels are higher than usual. But managing these, understanding why you react in certain situations, why you feel the way you do, using these holistic therapies, but consciously working on your mind at the same time is going to make you feel a lot lighter about living your life. Now, how can you how can you use holistic therapy for the most benefit? What I like to portray is basically you've got to look at the root causes. Now, you can do that through coaching. You can do it through counseling. Counseling is probably better, but coaching could help if you've got a good coach. And you've got to actively choose to work on what's causing you stress and anxiety it's not as simple as just saying that you're stressed out, you know, are you adding stress management into your life? Like we're all stressed out, you know, for one reason or another, we are dealing with stress on a daily basis, even if it's just the school run, you know, there's something that is stressful that we would much rather do without. Absolutely. But what are you doing to manage that stress? Now, you know, my famous line, go for a walk. Well, that really is you know, the simplest thing that you can do, but it is a really effective thing to do to manage stress. And that's what you could do on a daily basis. But you could scale that up depending on how stressed you are, how anxious you are. You could dial that up and add other techniques that are going to be super helpful in you managing your stress. Now, if it's work, it's not doesn't mean that you've got to straight away run to a holistic therapy to help you. If it's something to do with work, Managing your stress could be creating more boundaries around the time you spend at your desk or on Slack. I've recently discovered Slack and that's, um, yeah, that's probably a whole show, I think, to be honest. But you've got to look at the ways that you can manage your stress on a day-to-day basis. Don't just run to holistic therapies to help. They can help and they will help, but they help as part of a system. And the system is the conscious connection to mind, body, and soul. Consciously make the effort to work on your mind and your body and soul will follow as a result because the mind is, you know, the thing that's kind of controlling us and overtaking us and the one that's making us, the thing that's making us feel unwell. Otherwise, you've just got a physical ailment, you know. If you've broken your leg, I'm not going to say go to a sound therapy class to feel better, am I? No. But you can do this work if you are more conscious. Now, another way to do mind work, if you didn't want to do therapy or coaching, is reflective work yourself. 
journaling. When you journal, and these, the journaling that you do here, reflections is very much your bad days, you know, when you're not having a great day, write down your thoughts and feelings, what's going on. First of all, you reduce the magnitude of it when you write it down and you look at it yourself, you know, you read it back. And secondly, that release allows you to bring it to the surface. Now, and the thing about bringing these sorts of thoughts to the surface is that it might feel heavy. So when you have these thoughts to the surface after doing some journaling, a meditation class would be perfect for you to, I guess, forgive yourself and others in the process. So you've released physically by writing it down in a journal. And then if you went to a meditation class, for instance, or you did some meditation yourself, you would set the intention at the top of the class, the session, to help with forgiving yourself or others for for whatever it is that you're feeling or for whatever has come up for you as a way of healing through working on your mind. Now, if you find that you are too much in your head, then it would be better for you to go to something like a deep relaxation class, something like sound therapy. That's what's going to be most beneficial for you because the vibrations that happen in a sound therapy class, they flow through you to relax your whole body. And this is especially helpful for the overthinkers out there, you know, people who can't quiet the mind. Allowing sound energy to flow through you is a very, very relaxing experience, very deep relaxing. Now, you can try this out for yourself, put on something on YouTube or Instagram. There's a lot of amazing recorded videos out there of sound therapies that can really induce deep relaxation and give it a go. Always focus when you're doing these sorts of exercises, especially if you're new to this kind of therapy. You know you want to do it, but you're not sure that you can do it and you put yourself off. Try and sort of give yourself a little bit of, um, what's the word? Be a little kind to yourself on this. Like, you know, take it easy. Always focus on the sounds when your mind starts to drift. You know, you can, the whole point of sound therapy is that you're feeling the vibrations, but it's also helpful to listen when you're in a session to try and bring yourself back to the room and feeling the vibrations. But with any type of meditation, I've said this before, it's not about switching off your mind. It's just about acknowledging the thoughts and then allowing them to drift away from you so that you can have the relaxation that your mind, body and soul deserves. Now, something I do want to say, which I've probably said before in other shows, I'm sure I have, because these are the sorts of things that I bang on about. But if something doesn't work, don't force it. Like if something doesn't feel right, if you go to a meditation class, a sound therapy, yoga, EFT, acupuncture, anything that you do, if it doesn't feel right, it's really, really important not to force it. Sometimes we're not ready to do these types of healing classes. You know, sometimes we need to reduce the magnitude in our minds. And in those instances, the best thing you can do is just walk. Okay just walk for days on end, whatever, just walk and keep walking until you get to the point where you feel like trying something else. And generally what's happening at that point where you feel like trying something else is because you want to go a little bit deeper in your healing process. And something else that I really would ask you or urge you to consider when you are embarking on these healing therapies is to ask yourself why you're doing it. 
If you have purpose, right, if you have purpose for why you're doing these healing therapies, that's what's going to help you sustain the activity over a longer term. Because essentially, what we're looking at are ways to manage our stress and anxiety. So these therapies work for all of that, but you need to have purpose, you need to understand, because when you're in that state of mind where the benefits outweigh the effort, you're going to stay motivated. And obviously, if you stay motivated, you're going to believe that it works for you and you're going to want to keep it up. No matter what, you're going to want to keep it up. It's like the gym goers. You know, if you're an avid gym goer, when you haven't been going for a couple of weeks for whatever reason, even with lockdown and stuff, if you've not been as active as you would normally be, you feel it and you miss it and you want to get back to it. That's what you're trying to achieve with all of this so that it just becomes a part of your life. It's just a way that you manage your stress and anxiety levels on a day-to-day basis. It becomes normal. Now, another little sort of tidbit or not necessarily a word of warning, but just kind of something to help you out because I have found this when people talk to me about going to therapy classes or meditation or sound or whatever. They have said that, you know, sometimes the teacher's not great. And there is something in that. Sometimes a teacher's energy will not feel right. And if it doesn't feel right, go with your gut, go with your intuition there and perhaps find another class or try something else. Now, therapists in this way, so healers, etc., they're generally called light workers. And they, I guess, some of them take on the view that they are healing the world. But the problem with that is they're not necessarily actively doing any work on themselves or they're not doing enough work on themselves. So they have the same problems that they have and they're sort of using their light work or their healing work as a way to heal themselves, which is a bit questionable because healing work is about the exchange of energy. So if you as a healer are coming into a room with stagnant, negative, frustrated, angry energy, that's essentially what you're exchanging in the room. So you're not going to feel better because you've got a room full of people who are stressed out and they're going to feed your energy with more of that stress or give that stress to you and vice versa. That's what you're bringing to the room. True healers will be humble, kind, generous with the space they hold for you, and they will not lead with their ego. So when you're shopping around for a meditation teacher or yoga or anything that you're looking into doing, get a feel for the teacher, okay? Healing work is about energy. It's very much about energy exchange. And then you it's just the platform by which they share the energy. So that could be Reiki, that could be EFT, that could be... Uh, meditation, sound, breath, whatever, the energy is being exchanged in that room. So it's very important that you relate and connect to the teacher who is teaching you. And I guess one of the most important things for me, as somebody who is Indian and of the heritage of the yoga Ayurvedic world and philosophies, It's really, really important before you embark on centuries old therapies for you to do some research first, find out why these therapies exist and how they work as part of a whole system. Now, this is important on a couple of levels. One, it's important for you to have an understanding of what therapy you're using for what purpose in your life. 
one, how it would work for you. So say you took on something that was a Buddhist teaching, would it be beneficial for you to also read Buddhism in order for it to have its most beneficial effect? I don't know. You've got to do that research for yourself. But understanding why these therapies work and how they work, how they worked as part of a whole system before it came to the West is also important because you can manage your expectations then. And now when I say that, I mean people who are in the light world and talk about, oh, you know, sound therapy has revolutionized my life or a gong bath revolutionized my life or yoga has or this, that and the other you're putting a big expectation on something to heal you. And a lot of the time, you are the one who heals yourself. You find different tools that heal you, but essentially it is you doing the work. It is you connecting to the therapy. It is you connecting to your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit. It's you doing the actual connection. Everything else is just the facilitator for change, essentially. It's a guide. The therapies are guides. The therapists are guides. But you're the one who actually does the work. You're the one who changes the way you feel about certain things. Now, before I go, I want to just share a little story with you about me healing from depression. And I do say that I've healed from my depression, because I feel extremely in control of my thoughts, my feelings. I feel like I have an abundance of self-awareness. I would almost say a bit too much, you know, at times in terms of I care too much for people and things. Like I take it too far. Like I think about other people's perspectives, feelings, and points of view and stuff a bit too much, which then sacrifices my own. So I guess I've almost gone too far with the self-awareness, but bringing it back, obviously, because I'm consciously aware of it. Now, when I was healing from depression, I didn't take one course of action. The only course of action that I knew that I would not take, and I was quite adamant, was that of medication. At the time, medication wasn't so robust. It wasn't being given out as widely as it is now to manage it. And I've said before in previous shows, medication has it has its place in the mental health world. I'm not going to say it doesn't. But for the type of depression I had, I felt like I wanted to give myself a chance before taking medication. So I hadn't ruled out medication. I just wanted to try something else and use medication as my last resort. So with all the knowledge that I had, I looked into my past, looked into my experiences and things. I knew that something would connect to me at some point. And when I was when I was recommended to travel in terms of like get away from London my day to day, that made sense to me. And all that was said to me was you should go away, spend a good few months away from your daily life and just reflect on your life. That was enough. That was enough for me to be, yeah, that makes sense. That's right up my street. I know that helps me whenever I go away. I feel so much better when I come back and I do change things up in my life. So it made sense. And when I went away, I took various different therapies and I guess I went on the healing of shamanism. Shamanism, acupuncture, there was Reiki in there, there was deeper spiritual work in terms of forgiveness and compassion. But 
I was already attuned to those sorts of things. I had suppressed spirituality from the age of 15 up until 33 when I had my breakdown. But everything that was being suggested to me, recommended to me for my healing made sense. It was all the things that I wasn't doing. I wasn't being spiritual. I wasn't having, I guess, movement in my life. Like I wasn't moving enough, walking, exercise, whatever. I had disconnected to my feminine side, you know, my masculine side had taken over. So my masculine side was the the part of me that was success, success, work really hard and give work your all, make money, do this, you know, the, the sort of very action side. And I wasn't nurturing myself, let alone anyone else. Earth connection, you know, being connected to the earth, being part of something bigger than the little bubble of my own world. Compassion for myself, relaxation, you know, relaxation. One of the questions that I was asked was, what do you like to do to just be? And I was like, what? What does that even mean? What does it mean to be? I have no idea. Whereas now I can give you a whole list of what it means to be. But at the time I had no idea. So I didn't know how to relax. Overthinking (laughs) kind of fits into relaxation, right? And then feeds into anxiety. And the overthinking was just always looking at the worst of a situation. I would always assume the worst in people and I would assume the worst in situations. And really, you know, now I can reflect on it and say that really isn't the way to live. It's, it was, you know, taking over my life and I had no idea, had no control over it. But by taking myself away from my day to day, it allowed me to open up to realize where my weaknesses were or where my weak spots were that needed improvement, that needed nourishing, essentially. And then whilst I was doing this, I was looking at where did it all come from? getting to the root of it. And maybe this is me as a person, you know, I want to know why. I want to understand why something happened the way it happened. I'm not satisfied with just being told something. I need to know why. And I know that that comes from my mum saying things like, because I said so, because that's the way it is, because I'm your mother. And I, I would never accept that. It was never acceptable for you to say, because I said so. And I've really made a conscious effort with my son not to speak like that. But those things came from somewhere and then it started unfolding more. Did my limits come from that place? What are my beliefs? What were my beliefs? What were the beliefs that I had inherited? What did I really think? And then that started to open up the journey of mind, right? So it started to open up the journey of mind what I like about myself, what I don't like about myself. How can I improve? What kind of person do I want to be? How do I want to be perceived in my relationships? How do I want to contribute to this world? What do I want to be remembered for when I die? You know, really going deep. And so I used all those sorts of things. And that was the first part of my journey. When I came back, and this was also what my shamanism experience taught me, was when you go back, do some counseling. That was what he said. He said, go and do some counseling. Because I was able to open up from a spiritual side because it was part of me already, right? So it was something that made sense to me. It was easy to do. And then he said, now it's time to do the work on your mind. So we went to do the work on my mind. I went to a counsellor. Oh my gosh, I saw counsellors. I saw life coaches. I saw NLP practitioners. You know, I really did 
take on the work because it worked. It was working, you know, when I was in Mexico having this healing experience, it was working. And I didn't do anything uh, stereotypically shamanic in terms of peyote or ayahuasca. Nope, none of that. It was all just very surface level stuff, you know, very simple connection back to self and earth. And so when I was doing my counseling, I was just fascinated by it. I thought, my God, this is unlocking so much. I'm understanding myself so much. Like I couldn't keep up with the revelations. It was superb. And then the life coaching was sort of taking my life forward from the work that I'd done with counseling. And then the NLP was right, like really strengthening my resolve, I guess, for my mindset. And obviously, you know, as you know now, <laughs> all those things contributed to where I am today in terms of what I do for work. But the journey was, I mean, it was long. It's, it was a good few years. It's still happening. I choose growth over anything else. So I still make mistakes. I still mess up relationships and work things and stuff like that. I know that my ego comes into play and, you know, sometimes I can't tell her off. Sometimes I'm like, no, today I'm going to just let my ego take over, you know, but I forgive myself for it. And I make the conscious choice to say, no, today I'm, I'm, I don't want to hear that from somebody or whatever, whatever the reaction is, but I'm consciously doing it. And then I reflect and realize that hmm, I could have handled it better. I could have done this. I could have done that. Not to beat myself up, that's the thing to remember. It's not to beat myself up, it's to reflect, to improve. So that's where my thinking comes into play. And this is something that you can do as well. You know, if you take on the view of improving yourself, you're always going to be growing. So like I said about going to try different therapies, definitely try them, but know why you're doing it. Always, always ask yourself, why am I doing this? What do I want to get out of it? Because if you have that intention, you're going to get the most benefit from it. But do not ignore your mind. Do not ignore the conscious work that you have to do on your mind in order for the, these things to help you. It's really, really important that you understand that. And it's okay if you're not ready to. It's okay. You can use like I did, you know, for me, the healing therapies were good as my starting point. Um, I wasn't ready to work on my mind, to be honest, but I was already somebody who was open to that type of work is just to remember that it all works together. You have to work on your mind, your body and your spirit in order to feel better about whatever it is you're going through. It doesn't just, you can't just work on one area and expect the rest to follow. It's holistic that, and holistic essentially is holistic. It's the whole. Okay. So be kind to yourself and do whatever you can manage. Just don't fall victim to elitist healers and always, always trust your intuition. Like feel it literally in your body, not just in your head. If something doesn't feel right, if it feels incorrect in your tummy or whatever, then you're probably right. And be open, be open to the experiences of different types of healing work for the most benefit for you. And if nothing feels right, if you try lots of different therapies and none of it's working for you, you can always, always walk in nature and just do that. It works just as well. You have to set an intention for why you're doing it. And if you do that, you're going to have the most positive effect on yourself. It's going to be the most effective for you. Anything you do, 
in terms of holistic therapy, even mind therapy, you know, have an intention. What's your end goal? What's your purpose for doing this? Thank you for listening to the Self-Care 101 podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you would subscribe, rate and review so that other people like you can find the show. To find out more about me, you can follow me on the socials at Pooja McClymont or visit my website, PoojaMcClymont.com. Talk to you soon.